Summer lovin' had me a blast. Summer lovin' happened so fast. I met a girl crazy for me. Met a boy cute as can be. Summer days driftin' away to oh the summer nights. Okay, we're done. I'm sorry, folks. We just had one of those days. We're having one of those mornings. Anyway, welcome to the CCJT Amateur Hour, where production's values go to die, obviously. Across the table from me is CC. And across from me is JT. And we don't have a lot to talk about today because we're sort of having a summer lull. So we're going to just sort of meander all over the map again today. So if you're looking for some sort of purpose or meaning in today's podcast, we're going to sorely disappoint you as we frequently do. I but, don't know about that. Well, Sometimes we get off on interesting tangents. We do. We go off, uh, you know, we try to go straight. We end up going left, right, all over the place. Roller color song cue. <laughs> okay, we won't do that. Uh, so first of all, we need to talk about the technical stuff, the business of, of the CC and JT writing experience and we'll start off with our mutual book and today was this week was kind of a down week we were slow this week we do have uh 16 17 18 chapters something i think i'm starting chapter 19 yeah we've got like 18 chapters in our mutual book of project stupid cells uh this is what it is is our joint uh ridiculous rom-com where we're just writing to see what sticks to the wall I'm not sure how much calm we have right now. We have a, a bit of rum, but I don't know about the calm part. Yeah, we're not really good on the calm part, but uh, CC is taking the female role. I'm taking the male role, and we're going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, we've got 45,000 words in the can, so we're thinking uh, we have another writer's retreat coming up for the weekend of July 22nd, 23rd, 23rd, the weekend of July 23rd. So what we're hoping is, is we can get this thing, uh, the first draft done by then, and then we can spend that weekend um, going over the uh, draft as it, with a fine tooth comb. That's our that's our project, our projected deadline. Right, because if uh, we do get it in time for that weekend, then we can actually workshop it a little bit and try to smooth out the rough edges, make sure everything is coherent uh, in a logical progression that. You know, we don't have any major plot holes. We can kind of work on those things. And it should be, I'm thinking it should be an okay book. It should be an okay book. Probably we'll send it off to the editors not long after that, maybe, depending what the workshop is. And, of course, we'll have to start the cover thing. we got yes. to do the cover thing. Uh, and we need so, a title. And we've got to, we actually, the hardest part is going to be coming up with a book. Title. title. <laughs> yeah, we need a we title. Idea what we're gonna call this thing, and we're, yeah, I can tell you from you know the dozen of book dozen books that we've published between us, we're really bad at book titles. So book titles are tricky. Book titles are tricky. So what we'll probably end up doing is going out to one of those book title generators. You know, Maybe leafing through that. Maybe we'll see. Uh, we just ask that uh, you, that a you both you folks be interested in the book and b uh, keep the bar low. <laughs> Well, actually, you know, it. like I said, I think it might actually be a decent book. I think we're doing a pretty good job of it. Yeah, if we could just keep it going. And then we're also, believe it or not, we're not even close. To, well, we're close to the finish, I think. But I think we are. That is, we're already thinking about a sequel, maybe. We haven't decided yet whether or not to chop this off or a sequel. But apparently there's love sequels, which brings me into the next uh, technical stuff that's going on. 
The next technical stuff is uh, the book release I just had on July 1. Thank you, everybody, who pre-ordered. Yay! Yay! So, and people are out there reading it and saying that they're reading it. So, yay! Thank you very much. Leave a review, leave a review, leave a review. One thing um, one thing that we did notice is, and this has happened before with free books, um, I put some of my books out there for free beforehand. And what happened was, is one book catch the interest of something, some way, but hundreds of that book was downloaded during the freebie. And that's happened to me before. That happened either last year or the year before when I did that. And just, it just spiked like that where hundreds of free books went out, or excuse me, a book, hundred, a hundred copies of it, hundreds of copies of it went out. And it never reflected anywhere in my uh, reviews or anything else. So I'm thinking that either one or two things, either that's a glitch in the Amazon matrix or somebody somewhere, you know, created a bot that just did continuous downloads. Which, which doesn't really make sense. I mean, it would sense. make more sense if you created a bot and did that because you were trying to arbitrarily inflate your ranking. But having someone else do it just seems kind of ridiculous. I don't it, know that it would be a bot. It's weird. And it's, you know, but literally hundreds of, uh, it was Sheriff, by the way. Uh, a sheriff in Nevada, hundreds of copies uh, went out the door of sheriff. Uh, and the other giveaways were more uh, logical for, you know, right. the, for the audience. But there were just hundreds that went out to sheriff. And it's just, I'm not arguing. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's a nice little, you know, patch on the old ego there. But uh, I have to be realistic about it, saying that that's not, that wasn't real life. But Hey, didn't you, never you say know. it was like uh, the book, doing that, to put the book out 29 in murders for free books or something, something like that? Something like that. And I think what may have happened is that it uh, it hit at a time when people were looking for free books because the holiday weekend was coming up. And maybe it just caught a few people's interest. And as it moved up in the rankings, more people saw it. I mean, you know, that seems like a logical thing. The algorithm may somehow have picked it up and who knows. But... Um, Maybe that's an indication that you should finally do book three. Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I actually don't have anything for book three, so I'll just be right up front on that. But yes, I you do did. need to close out that series because I did set it up. You need to read the book to find out how I set that up. But uh, I do need to do that. Um, I think uh, somebody needs a little bit of an ego boost. So if anybody's listening to this and you read Sheriff and Downfall, start uh, maybe poking him to finish the trilogy don't listen to her <laughs> no i think you should listen to me because i'm very smart I'm when it comes to two books right now as it is but our book should be wrapped up soon and then you will be able to hop over to the other one <sighs> so not to change the subject but i did mention her writing <laughs> uh, by, by the way if, uh, if you dear listeners you can imagine i'm giving her the evil eye right now <laughs> okay that was the evil eye noise <laughs> okay there it is again okay uh i was gonna say that i'm writing two books and we mentioned that we're writing our, our joint project our, we're writing our book together and i'm also writing the space epic which passed uh over 50 chapters now uh varying length and over one hundred thousand words and uh i was going to like stop it at this point but i've got some ideas so what i'm thinking of doing is i'm just going to keep writing and writing and writing and eventually when i get run out of things to write about then i will either decide to chop it up or i might just put the whole darn thing out there all at once i don't know what i'm going to do with it but uh it's turned into it's taken on a life of its own this little space epic you know you know i just sort of wrote as a lark it's not deep it's not uh 
you know, it's not terribly deep, and I think it's a pretty fast read for people that like that kind of stuff, which actually kind of segues us into what our to- what our kind of topic is today. But I hope people will pick it up and when it when the time comes. And I'm thinking that it's probably going to be published with everything going on in life, probably going to be published sometime in next year because there's going to be, I there are just so many broken places and bro- plot holes in this book because I've just been spilling words onto the screen uh, as pouncers do and I need to go back and fix things and then there's also the editing and there's going to be a lot of editing but that's fine. Uh, anything else on your mind technical wise? Not at the moment I think you covered everything it's uh, like you said we're in a bit of a summer lull because um, one of the things we might mention is that we are in a holiday weekend here in the United States um, tomorrow's Independence Day July 4th a uh, somewhat complicated holiday at the moment for a lot of people. and uh, But this is the time of year when people go out and they sit on the beach or they barbecue or something. And this is a perfect time for summer reading. Summer reading. Uh, and we should say before we dive too deeply also that this podcast is uh, dedicated to our oldest child. For yes. reasons that she is aware, we will not go into those reasons, but uh, for out of respect. But uh, we are dedicating the podcast to our oldest, yes. our daughter, the teacher. We, we are always very <laughs> proud to serve. Very, very, we're very proud of all of our descendants. And, yes. Uh, equally proud of all of our descendants. just want to mention that uh, that this one, uh, boy, this one is... Complicated. Complicated. Uh, so we get that out of the way. So summer reading. Uh, I don't know. Do people do summer reading anymore? Yeah, oh, because, definitely. Because, yeah, because there's a lot, lot going, as you said, kind of insinuated, there's a lot going on in the world. Well, if you follow social media, especially particular parts of social media, maybe Bookstagram or something, or authors of Instagram, they do talk about summer reading, beach reads. Usually it's the lighter, fluffier, maybe a romance. Uh, you know, people are out there enjoying the sun and they want something to do while they're lying out on the beach. So there is still a lot of summer reading going on. Yeah, and, um, celebrities lo- love to put their books out there, their yes. book lists out there. Uh President Obama does his uh, annual book list. I've seen that out there. Peter King, the famous sports writer, for formerly for Sports Illustrated and now for NBC, he does a, a list. So you, you get there. There's not the lack of reading material out there. Dear God, I can tell you from personal experience, man, there's a lot of freaking books out there. Yes. And so, uh, so summer reading, you know, you pull up a chair, you pull up a beach. Notice how I carefully said that. <laughs> and you, you get under an umbrella and you just sort of open up a book. So do you, do you have a particular summer read? Because let me let me, let me me give you a minute to think about that because I was surprised okay. on you. But when I was doing the summer read, um, when it, and I seem to recall when I was in, when I was in K-12, uh, they didn't assign us summer books. I, I somehow always avoided that, that, that one. But uh, I remember during my summer reading, uh, when I did do it, it was mostly in my teenage years. I was nerd, nerd alert here. Uh, I was reading Robert Heinlein a lot during the summer. The Moon is a Harsh Moon. And, you know, Stranger in a Strange Land. Books like that. Books that left an imprint on me. But that was kind of my summer reading. My teenage years was those kind of science fiction. Not only him, but the other masters, sci-fi masters of the era. Uh, you know, Bradbury. And, of course, movies, which could be considered a form of summer reading uh, for some. Um, so that was kind of my summer reading. And then, of course, as I got, I got older, you know, summer breaks went away because, well, work. But uh, so, and you know, life got busy. Thank you. I really didn't have it. How about you? Well, as you mentioned back in school, my summer reading tended to be whatever the latest Nancy Drew or Hardy Boys was because they were still churning those out. I was very disappointed when I found out that Caroline Keene wasn't really a person, but a 
like a writing factory and people would write under that pseudonym. A lot of different people would write under that pseudonym, but I loved, you know, just curling up with a Nancy Drew or a Hardy Boys. And uh, I went through a period in high school in the 1970s, the high school library had a lot of the 1950s romances. So I went through a series of reading those during summer breaks. I kind of saw them in uh, the library and if I could track them down somewhere, I'd buy a cheap copy and just, you know, curl up and under a tree or something and read just a fluffy romance. And they were all very teen oriented because it was, I wasn't as deep as you were as a teen, apparently. I was just more like, oh, you know. I was a nerd. No, no, no. Don't, I was a nerd. No, no. I think you're, you were deep. I was looking at the, you know, the young girl in high school type of thing or the young girl in college who was like out trying to find a guy. <laughs> and I was like the double date series or the... Anyway, um, over the years during summer, I kind of gravitate toward that type of reading where it's very non-challenging on the mind. I I do like to read deep, very uh, interesting books, but the the frothy romance type things are really the ones I prefer during the summer because even though we don't get a summer break from work, it kind of gives my mind a bit of a break mentally. Yeah. I know I just remembered another author that I was really big at during my teenage years and um, that I probably read during, you know, summer breaks, and that was Anne McCaffrey and the Dragon Riders of Pern and the uh, and all of those books, the very complex, rich society uh, of, you know, transplanted humans on a faraway, faraway earth, which uh, you can sort of pick up that uh, I like having, I like reading books where, you know, the humans are transported to different lands and different societies. That probably is kind of what's uh, led to my feeling of being the outsider looking in when it came to, well, basically living, uh, but not only living, but also writing, because I do I do like to write about the anti-hero. The uh, Tochi books are the classic of that, and the Emma books, the Sheriff books, all of them have that theme in common, the outsiders looking in. And so, uh, so I would write those kind of books. I mean, excuse me, I would read those those kind of books where they were set aside and setting up their own unique society. And often I would uh, empathize with the, with the uh, characters who were on the outside looking in. And so in a way, and going back to my space epic, it's kind of strange that I'm building an enclosed society inside a spaceship. People don't really have much of an opportunity to be the outside looking in. But hey, I managed. I got some characters in there that do that. Because we all want to, we all kind of feel that way. I think. I think we all feel sort of like removed from, uh, you know, mainstream. We seem like we're always on the outside, looking certain ways and certain things. And and so when we pick up a book like that, we it's, it touches us. And so I can imagine, you know, a, a teenage romance. You're talking about a, a young woman, a girl making the transition. And so she's not really comfortable with who she is. She's trying to learn who she is. So again. The person from the outside looking in, would that be a, a safe assumption? I would say so. In the, uh, I mentioned the, the Double Date series was actually about a set of twins. And they had challenges dating because they were twins. You know, I be, if I remember correctly, they were identical twins. And the, there is a very special relationship between twin siblings, whether they're male or female. And throwing uh, like a romantic partner into that mix can be very challenging. So there is a little bit of that. It's not like a one-on-one -on -one dating thing. It's almost like you're dating both of them. And then with the, the Nancy Drew books, I very specifically remember admiring her ability to go out and get into, into trouble, basically, because, you know, I was the four-eyed teenager who spent all my time with my nose in a book. 
whereas she was out going and solving mysteries. But she was a very independent young woman, which I really admired because I'd never felt that for myself. And so in that sense, I don't know if most teenagers felt like they were uh, less, I don't know, less exciting maybe than Nancy Drew would have been or something. Because obviously, as I was growing up, Nancy Drew was not really the common teen read, which was my outsider thing at that time, because Nancy Drew tends to be an upper elementary, junior high type of book. But uh, I was still reading it into my teens because I was thinking, you know, I'd kind of like to go do some of the stuff that she was doing. And uh, it it was like, that's definitely not the high school experience. Yeah, I don't think that was the high school experience for everybody, but that's why they call it fiction. Yes. There was another another writer, which we've mentioned frequently on this podcast, and I think every, I think any every American that's probably picked up a book in their life has probably picked up one of his books, Stephen King. And I don't want to, um, I don't want to, you know, laud Mr. King too much because you know, uh, he's you know, human, just like the rest of us. But I think at one point uh, I had read so many of his books. I think I could honestly say I, at one point, I had read all of his available books. Now that's not true. He was writing under other pseudonyms like Richard Bachman. But uh, my point being is that that was another summer reading phase for me, picking up the Stephen King Fires, Firestarter, Carrie, ooh, Carrie, uh, Cujo, It, etc., etc., etc. You know, there was just there was just a lot. The of The Shining. Books. Pardon me. The Shining. The Shining. Oh yeah, The Shining. The Shining. Yeah, the shining. He he. Okay. Uh, red rum. <laughs> but red I, Stephen rum. King was definitely another phase, another summer reading phase, because I remember, I do remember uh, in Nebraska reading Stephen King, and as I said at one time, I'm pretty sure I was, had read all of his books up to a certain point, or felt that I had. Then the man just started, you know, generating books every year. It was impossible to keep. <laughs> he is a very prolific. How do you writer. do that, man? Tell us your secret. Okay. Uh, but, uh, that, that was another summer reading project. Was there another, another writer like that for you? Well, you got me started on some things. The, the year we got married, we obviously got married actually before the start of summer. It was late fall or late spring, excuse me, when we got married. Uh, but that first summer we didn't have any TV or anything and we were just getting to know each other. So you did recommend a lot of books, and one of them was Richard Bach, mm. Jonathan Livingston Seagull, uh, one? Always. Always. Something. Something like that. Uh, so some of those, um, trying to think, the uh, the Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, the White Gold Wielder. Yeah, I can't think yeah. of the author right now. Yeah, my brain is spacing on him too. But uh, you definitely broadened my horizons in the reading genre because the... Um, as I said, I'd been reading all those fluffy teen romances. And then once we got married, it was more of a, here's what I'm interested in, kind of a very different perspective on the world yeah, than what I'd been. That. No, no, no. <laughs> and it's not that I had never read anything a little out there before. <laughs> very funny story. My grandparents had a wall that was a just a kind of a library wall with bookshelves all over it. They were full of books. My family wasn't into much reading. Uh, generally, my mother tended to read the tabloids, and I don't remember my dad reading much because he was too busy out working. But the uh, the bookshelves in my grandparents' house, when I was a kid, I was told not to touch them because they were not books that were appropriate for children to read. And of course, whenever my grandparents were out of the house, because I spent a lot of time, I would live with them on summer break sometimes, 
I found some interesting books. And I remember distinctly there was an early 20th century true crime book with photographs. Eek. And I must have been very early teens. So I mentioned, you know, I'm reading all these light and fluffy romances, right, for the most part. I find this gritty black and white photos of crime scenes in these houses, like in the Midwest or something. I have no idea. I don't really remember what the book specifically was about, but it was definitely true crime. So, you know, I wasn't completely just frothy stuff before we met, but the, um, I, I kind of broadened my horizons, I think, that first summer we were married, because that was almost like opening a new world of books to me. Yeah, opening a new world in a lot of ways. And by the way, it's Stephen R. Donaldson. I had to look him up. Right. I I got yes. the Stephen part, but I couldn't remember the rest. Stephen R. Donaldson, who yes. uh, wrote several books uh, that we read. Uh, a couple other books, um, which I'm having troubles remembering the author name. Look it up here, Taki. But it, um, Ender, you know, Ender's Game. Yes. And um, I can't remember. Well, coincidentally, I was hanging out with our oldest daughter yesterday and we were talking about some game that she's been playing where the the um, perspective in the game is a little off. And she said it was very disoriented and made her somewhat nauseous. And I said, the enemy's gate is down. Say that again. The enemy's gate is down. The enemy's gate is down. Which is yeah. a reference to Ender's game. Yeah. And that's Orson Scott Card. Yes. Who, who, by the way, I think if you don't know him, uh, you know, what he takes, what his stance is publicly on some certain subjects, you don't want to know. Uh, and this, he, he provides a classic example of the art and the artist. Enjoy the art. Try not to dive too deeply into the artist. Uh, but uh, I, I went through the Orson Scott Card uh, phase also and uh, read, you know, the Ender Game series and other of his books, which are very rich, you know, thoughtful books. The man's got the imagination, Ugh, but the rest of it, that's that's just perfect. But I did go through also an Orson Scott Card phase. And I think that that has become more and more of an issue as time has gone on and social media becomes more of a thing where we learn a lot more about our, you know, the people who we've considered to be really excellent people just because of what they've written. And yeah. then it turns out that we're very disappointed. Uh, I believe that is the case for a lot of people now with the Harry Potter series, unfortunately, that uh, there are they are having problems separating the author from the work. But I do think that the work has a lot of validity because it brought a lot of kids in that time period into reading. And it was such a, I, you know, my thoughts about that series are my memories of the events that we went to. And a lot of the time they were released in the summer. We would do the late night book release at Barnes and Noble. The kids were all dressed up. They were so excited. You'd be there for hours and the kids would just pick up a book and sit in the aisle and read while they were waiting to get their you know, most recent copy of Harry Potter. So I think there is a lot of good that came out of that. Unfortunately, Joe Rowling has said some things that have hurt a lot of people, and yeah, it's and, yeah, and it's very complicated. Maybe, maybe we don't want to go too further no. for this because we're talking about summer reading, and there and there's a danger here which we need to right. acknowledge too. Is be you know be careful what you read, and don't believe everything that you think. There was a very famous author whose works I respected, and then I heard rumors 
and I, I for years believed those to find out later they were true. And I was very sad about that and very upset about that because for for that because I believed rumors without going taking that extra step of verification in social media in the social media era that's easy to do. Uh, so do your research. Uh, don't 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 uh, find yourself in a situation where you learn something that is not true, where you will believe something that is not true. And you, you will end up either, you know, punishing yourself through, you know, cutting yourself off or, you know, spreading incorrect rumors. But uh, I, I, to this day, I still feel bad about it. Uh, and so, but let's, let's, let's turn this boat around because we, we, we went down a road, eh, not really where we intended. So summer reading, um, you know, it's, it, 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 just by the phrase itself is kind of, is kind of sad because it's like we can only read during the summer in a kind of way because we're used to school, you know, nine months a year, 10 months a year now. And we only have such a short time to read, whereas, as we know from our, you know, mutual personal experiences, that's not, reading is something every day. Uh, and I think that maybe the, the hardest thing that kids assign books, force them. And so it's like, well, we force them to read those nine to a year and then two months that are left over, you know, it could, they could be further enriching their lives and expanding horizons and kinds of, but because they've been taught to hate books with a sign through assignment. Uh, that's just as sad to, but one other example of that is To Kill a Mockingbird, which I found to be such a fantastic book. And it was assigned to me and I enjoyed it anyway. But, you know, kids being kids, when they were assigned to kill a mockingbird, you could imagine the groans and moans. And, you know, it's, it's sad. You know, one of the great, one, perhaps the greatest piece, if not one of the greatest piece, but one of the greatest. And that's just such a, and it's rough. And, you know, maybe this is my soapbox and I'll get off it here in a second. But I, I really think that sometimes teachers do a disservice by some good books to kids instead of saying, hey, you go out there and discover them for yourself. Yeah, that's a very good point because... The assigned reading, you know, kids get really frustrated with all the assignments that they're given. And usually the assigned reading assignments is something that you have to do at home after school when you would re rather be probably currently playing a video game or something. But the the just the that push that you have to read this book within a certain time frame, you have to discuss the book, you have to think about the book instead of just discovering it and enjoying it. It does do a disservice to some pretty incredible pieces of literature yeah so if you're a teacher likely not but we'll give it a shot if you're a teacher why don't you you know go ahead with your assigned book list because you kind of have to because of lesson plans and everything like that but if there's a book or two that you really love that you want to save you know save your kids for and just say recommend it or even suggest it or hint it or maybe even that would be awesome too but uh, but we really we do understand the pressure. We empathize with that. This is just you know just a, a soft suggest. Uh, anything else we want to talk about on this? Well, there's something that we haven't really mentioned up to this point, which I think can tend to be a summer read, and that's comic books. Um, and some of those are, you know, a lot of people don't consider them reading because they're so heavily illustrated. But then over time. A lot of people have started calling things graphic novels. They're a little bit more intense than the childhood comic books maybe that we grew up with. And I think that's a valid way to read during the summer. Kids might enjoy those more because it's not like they're assigned school reading. And I think uh, 
I mean, I remember as a kid, I used to read the old Archie comics and stuff and, you know, the Sunday morning comic strip type of thing. And actually, some of those have some really decent social commentary in them. Yeah, and we're going to be dating ourselves now with the next few sentences. But I happen to remember reading quite a few of the few of the quote unquote classics because there used to be a comic book series out that just used to illustrate the classic like 20,000 Leagues of the Sea in comic book form and uh, you know other classics like uh, I mean, you pick your favorite Tolstoy's like that and, uh, they probably weren't incredibly profitable but they, they did provide exposure to classics especially you know from dead white guys that we that we're sometimes forced to read anyway but these classics exposed us to us exposed the, the, the look the feel the scenery the fashion uh, of those times you know, I remember distinctly re- sitting down and reading those comic books those graphic novels uh because they did serve you know an excellent purpose of exposing books like red badge of courage that we may or may not read as we're growing up because as you said there are other alternative other alternative that's redundant there are alternative there, there are alternative forms of entertainment uh that are well frankly um, more interesting to the masses than you know sitting down reading a comic book which is valuable or just reading you know, any kind of book well and the as you mentioned those illustrated classics from days gone by could actually serve as a foot in the door to get someone to read the entire thing because people tend to get really involved in those stories and will want to read more detail and or you go through something like the uh, Tolkien books I mean people have been really into the whole Lord of the Rings thing since the movies came out but there was quite the reading audience for people who really enjoyed the those books and the depth of detail. I mean, those are some pretty heavy, detailed books. Yeah, they were gateway drugs to the heavy stuff, man. <laughs> so no, it's, once you're hooked, you can't stop, man. And that tends, you know, we've been talking about summer reading, but for me, something like a Tolkien would be more of a winter read where you curl up with a hot chocolate in your blanket and you sit down and you have a really dense book because it's so dark outside you can't do anything. So that's... You know, that's kind of the thought process, I think, between seasonal reads. It's the the time of year, how much thought and effort you want to put into reading. And that's why summer readings, for me, tend to be the frothier type things. Yeah, I think we I think we hit some really good points here. We hit some airy points. We went kind of went all over the places we tend to do. But I think we really, did we, you feel we got this subject down? I think so. The I only just... other thing we could mention, though, uh, is... <laughs> People have been bringing up the the childhood scholastic book fairs and the reading programs where you'd read, read a certain number of books and get a pizza or something. And I think part of the joy of reading as a kid was being involved in those types of things. And it's a shame that we don't get to do that as adults. Well, yeah, and that's what book clubs are for and everything. But even so, um, but... Uh... I'm not really quite sure how to wrap this up other than to say if you've you've got your own kind of favorite summer reads or go-to book for the summer, you know, share it with us. Let us know what it is. You know, give us something to read. Assign us a book, you know, where we're interested in that kind of stuff because – uh, reading, of course, makes us reading makes us better writers. If you go out and say, "Hey, what does it take to be a successful writer?" One of the very first things they recommend is you read, read, read. So, if you've got a reading assignment for us, folks, you know, put it out there. Uh, you know, we're we're suckers for a good book, and uh, we'll, we'll give you a shout out, and perhaps we'll incorporate some ideas into our future novels. So, let us know what you think on that. We do have a contacts page out there. Anything else for our, our friends on the podcast? I can't think of anything right now, except I hope you're enjoying your summer so far or your winter if you're south of the equator. 
Yeah, that would be kind of freaky, having a hot Christmas. I Yeah, that would be definitely strange for us. Yeah, that would be different, but maybe someday we'll get to that. But uh, for now, here comes the commercial. You can read... You can read about our stuff. You can uh, listen to our podcast via our website at www.carsonhume.com. We got all sorts of goodies out there, and we're going to keep trying to put goodies out there, including, hey, more books. Yay, more books. We uh, do this weekly podcast for writers because, well, you know, we want to share the love, share our experiences, share our thoughts on the ideas of podcasts, and we get it. That you know, only two or, <laughs> that only two or three people are actually listening to this podcast, but maybe someday somebody will go back in time and go, Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I should try that out. That's what we're trying for. Uh, mostly we're just doing this because we don't want to do our Sunday chores, but that's not the <laughs> No, I think we enjoy connecting during this time of the day. Yeah, we get a few minutes to talk to each other. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and let you get go and get let you get back to your real life. And uh, we, we've got things to do too, like laundry. Yay. Ooh, okay. Yay. Woo. But until then, sitting across the table from me. And across from me is JT. We hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful July. We hope that you are well and we hope you keep well. Take care. Have a great week.